How often do you get to the end of your day and think, I was busy, but did I really get anything done? Do you ever look back over the last month or even the last quarter and wonder why you don't have time for the big things you want to do in your business or your life? Maybe the problem isn't our calendar or our to-do list. Maybe the problem has to do with our approach to managing our time and our energy levels. Today's guest for the 237th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is Dave Ruel. Dave is a former bodybuilder who realized that his approach to exercise might be a good way to approach all the projects he wanted to get done each week. Before we get to the interview with Dave, this podcast episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Think Tank. That's our private mastermind that we've been telling you about for the last couple of weeks. It's for copywriters and other marketers who want to challenge each other. They want to create new revenue streams in their business, create new products in their business, receive one-on-two coaching from Kira and myself, and ultimately grow your business to whatever your goal is. We often say six figures or more, but if that's not your goal, we design it to help you reach the goal that you have for your business. If you've been looking for a dynamic mastermind to help you grow as a copywriter and as a business owner, visit copywriterthinktank.com and set up a short information session with us to find out more. Now let's jump into our conversation with Dave. I'm going to go back to my days as a, as a, as a fitness athlete. And this is pretty much when it, it all started. So in the early 2000s, I was, a, I was an amateur competitive bodybuilder. So I was very obsessed with everything, fitness, bodybuilding, muscle building, you name it. And in 2007, I met a guy named Lee Hayward. And we were uh, fellow competitors on the, the regional circuit. So we've known of each other, you know within the local circuit, but I've never met Lee in person. And I was traveling to his hometown to compete that weekend. So uh, Lee actually offered me to uh, stay at his house during that weekend. But I, then I, I only we only knew each other like a little bit, but never knew what he was doing for a week. So, and I saw that like the first morning, like he was, you know, having coffee and says like, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to do some work. Um, I'm going to work on, uh, I'm going to answer a couple emails and then I should be done by noon and, and then we can go work out. I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to, to be on vacation and have a, that kind of schedule. It's like, well, you know, it's pretty much like the way we operate here. It's like, really? It's like, what is it that you do? It's like, well, I, I have a bodybuilding website and, uh, yeah, it's like, and I make a whole living out of it and, uh, making six figures a year, you know, working from home. My wife works with me and, I was like, well, okay, I, I need I need to understand how you how you do that. So uh, I I quickly traded my obsession for uh, fitness or my passion for fitness with an obsession for for business building. Started you know studying uh, direct response marketing, anything that had to do with online marketing, and it was very limited at the time because you know obviously in two, that was in two thousand and seven, so there was not that much going on when it comes to to online businesses. Now everything's online. If you're not online, you're nowhere. But um, yeah, at the time, it was, it was very different. So I created my first business at that time. Uh, it, was, it was a website for, uh, that was sharing nutrition and, and, and cooking tips for, for bodybuilding and fat loss. It was called The Muscle Cook. The website is actually, it's still on. We still sell digital products on, on that platform. Uh, and from there, I, um, I emerged more on a, on a publishing marketing agency. So basically, 
other coaches or other experts saw what I was doing online and they wanted to do the same thing. So I was like, you know, okay, well, you have an audience. I know how to monetize that. And uh, we launched uh, we launched an agency that led me to uh, invest in a company called Bioptimizer. So that's a natural supplements company. We did full uh, turnaround with that company, sold it in 2016. And, um, you know, during that time, you know, for me, at kind of becoming an entrepreneur, I think, you know, I, I don't feel like I, it's like anything else, you know, you're not an athlete before, you know, going to the gym once doesn't make you an athlete. What it was saying, I, I feel, I feel it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You know, you have to, uh, you have to do it in order to understand what it is. And, and in the process, I realized this, you know, I did obviously all the mistakes in the book, uh, all the mistakes in the books that most entrepreneurs make when it comes to managing their time, you know, their energy, their attention. And, I, I build systems around my life and business in order to fix that. Uh, and mostly inspired by what I had learned in sports performance. I saw like, you know, this too many weird similarities between both worlds. And so I started adapting that. And uh, yeah, so in 2016, I had the opportunity after I saw my last business to start coaching uh, entrepreneurs. So basically entrepreneurs were coming to me for the online business stuff. They are talking like, okay, I want to build an online business to have the freedom and yada, yada, yada. But what I realized that these entrepreneurs don't need more, you know, tactics or strategies to gain more customers, convert more. What they needed really was kind of a framework to help them operate as entrepreneurs. And uh, I started sharing my, my systems with them. Uh, the results spoke for themselves. And this is how, Epic was born, you know, we like, listen, we're, we're going to share these, uh, these, these techniques, these systems with, uh, with everybody. And, uh, yeah, now a few years later, you know, we, uh, we don't do coaching, uh, but we have certifications now that we, where we certify, uh, different, you know, business, various business coaches or consultants who want to use that with their, their clients. And we have obviously the, the Epic Planner, which is our, our best selling tool. Okay, so we're definitely going to get into more of that, but I want to go back to the amateur bodybuilding phase of your career as you're just starting out. I'm guessing that there are a lot of behaviors, a lot of things that you were doing as a bodybuilder that apply to how you, you know, ran your businesses or that you even run your business today. Will you tell us a little bit about what you learned in that phase of your career that you apply to your business today? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of timeless uh timeless techniques, you know, that, that we have in, 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 and it's not just bodybuilding. It's really like through in sports performance in general. Um, and you know, the thing that, you know, that you need to have in order to become a good athlete or a good entrepreneur is, is discipline. And the thing is that when I, when I would, when I started training really, and didn't know really that I was going to compete or anything like that, I did that for just to transform myself. I realized that the structure that it would give me, the workouts, you know, how to structure my workouts, how to structure my goals, having understanding, you know, where do I, what do I really want? Do I want to build muscle, burn fat? What do I need to do first? Uh, and the foundational work that, you know, you set. And from there, you start optimizing and optimizing with time. And the thing is that you have, your structure needs to be solid before you actually optimize, right? I see a lot of, of, of people do that. Like the mistake that many gym goers do in the beginning is that they're going to take all the supplements on the market thinking that it's going to fast track their results where, and they don't have a solid base to, to what, you know, their nutrition is not good. Their workouts are not, or, or their programs are not, you know, st structured properly. 
And they end up going to the gym all the time thinking like, I'm, the more I'm going to lift weights or, you know, the longer I'm going to do it, the bigger I'm going to get or the more fat I'm going to lose. And it's actually the opposite that happens. So there's an order to how things need to happen. And within this structure, you need to have, you know, different habits, different routines that make that sustainable. You know, you don't want just want to do that for X amount of time and it's done. It's kind of a, it's a lifetime. It's a lifestyle, sorry. So it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You know, entrepreneurship is, is very much of a lifestyle. Um, and, you know, if you take it, if you approach it as a sport uh, or as something that you have to do in order to perform and do it well and structure it properly, you know, there's a lot of, of, of similarities, right? So we, we talk actually quite a bit in the book, you know, about load management and, and principle of adaptation and periodization, you know, different basics really in sports performance but if you don't have that really mastered on a personal level it's going to be very hard for you to kind of evolve as an entrepreneur so i'm wondering when you felt like when you had that moment where you felt like an entrepreneur for the first time and you know if that was a specific moment or if it was 10 years into your business because i do think you're right it doesn't happen overnight and it's a lot of us even if we've been doing it for a while we still don't feel like an entrepreneur well, you know, I feel like I think nowadays people call themselves entrepreneurs before they have actually accomplished anything. And and I think it's like, as I said, it's, it's, it's like an athlete. You know, you don't call yourself an athlete the first time you play a sport or you step into a gym. You, know, you have to do the work and understand. And, and you know, not everybody's going to be an athlete, you know, not and just like not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. So it's not something like it wasn't like a conscious decision for me, like entrepreneur now is the word, you know, kind of the word that everybody uses. I think there's a lot of hype probably around the word entrepreneurs, but really it's defining what it really is to be an entrepreneur. For me, it was not a conscious decision. It was something, there was not a specific moment, Tyra, like that, that defined that. I think it was just a matter of seeing my pattern and, and seeing how I was operating as a human, you know, uh, and I see a lot of similarities between, between entrepreneurs, right? So, for example, academically for me, it was, it was a disaster. I was not good at school. And not that I was not smart enough, just because I was totally disengaged and disinterested. And I realized that, you know, I, I was kind of an outcast, not an outcast, but, you know, it was not the norm, let's say, you know, where, where, where I grew up. Like everybody, like you needed to have that career and that, that diploma to get that job, et cetera. And I realized that a lot of entrepreneurs had very non-typical type of, of, of journeys, you know? So there's not a, there's not a one path, but there's similarities with, you know, behaviors and the way we, we saw the world and, and things like that. So yeah, you know, it's just realization. And even to this day, you know, I, I love entrepreneurship. I love the creative side of business, which is in my opinion, probably what, uh, the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur per se, like that's that creative piece that entrepreneurs might have uh, that, you know, others who might be great at business management, but not don't have that necessarily that, that spark of, of craziness. So Dave, as you were telling your story, you know, you talked about developing some of these systems and routines that really help you in your business to, uh, you know, be done by noon as, as your book is called. Can you, Talk to us a little bit about some of those, uh, maybe, you know, even even the whole, you know, theme behind ethic and how we as entrepreneurs and as freelancers can start to use a system like that or that exact system in order to start getting more of our stuff done. Yeah. So I, we can we can talk about, you know, more a little bit more in depth about 
about the about the 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 system. I think we're going to have a training, Rob, soon, right? I think next month we have something scheduled for for your audience. So we're going to go very very deep on that uh, on, on on the topic. But um, you know, to go back to the I would say to to ethic itself. So ethic is actually short for two words. Uh, the first one is efficiency. So obviously it's achieving something using the least amount of resources. So as entrepreneurs, we have you know, three main you know, internal resources or resources that we have, internal and, and external. So first our energy, obviously, and also our attention. So pretty much like how we're going to be um, you know, putting our energy and attention so when uh, how and on what we're going to be placing our attention the other one our external you know um, our external resource finite resource is time so time is not something that we can really control you know we all have 24 hours a day and and time is the same for everybody it's just how we operate how we use our time and energy within that 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 constraint of time that we is really going to make it work so it's understanding, I said, it's not about working less. It's really about working right. You know, we glorify, you know, we glorify working hard or working smart, right? But working hard is a given. It's like, for example, you go at any sport, no, no one is successful by going, you know, half-ass on the court, on the court or, you know, on, on the ice if it's hockey or whatever. You know, you have to work hard to give it. Then obviously you have to work smart. You're not just going to walk around or run around for absolutely no reason. You have to manage, you know, that 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 energy in, I would say, optimize it in a smart way. I think the key is really understanding to work right. You know, understanding what is the desired, you know, result or outcome that you want to produce. This is why like ethics is also short for efficacy, which is the ability to produce the desired or intended you know, a result or, or outcome, right? So based on that, what we try to make entrepreneurs realize, uh, especially in the first step of, of the methodology, which is the projection phase, um, it's understanding, okay, well, understand where you want to go. You'll be very, very clear on what you want to accomplish, right? So we divide that in two steps. The first one is to create what we call your big picture, okay? How do you see yourself? How do you see your life? You know, how do you, how do you really envision that for your future and what does it look like? So creating kind of that big picture, but it doesn't, it needs to be specific in some ways, but it's like going on a trip, right? You're going to go on a trip. You're going to visualize in your head what it, what you think it looks like, but in reality, it will look different when you get there. It will just, but it's equally as good. It's just, you know, different. So you're going to have that general idea of how you want to, you know, where you want to be, how you want to feel. And, and what you want to accomplish. And from there, we're going to ask you to look into what's really ahead of you. So what you can, what are the goals that you can really see become a reality? And we have a trait, we, we ask you to create goals. Um, your first, uh, your five, so, so it's called manual guideline. So it's five goals you want to see become a reality within the next 12 months. So now we're not talking about projects. We're talking about outcomes. We're talking about results here. What do you want to become? Make you know become a reality. It could be you want to you know net hundred thousand dollars for a year. It could be that you want to um, sell X number of copies of your book. It could be that you want to work twenty hours or less per week, right? So it's going to be very very clear on where where you're going or your alignment point. So and the key is that you're when we talk about alignment is that 
the goals that you set for your, the next 12 months should be, always be aligned with the type of lifestyle and business that you want you know, to operate, right? I think the problem is that a lot of entrepreneurs um, think that they want something, but ultimately it's, it's what we call ambition appropriations, that you're, you're going to look at other people, you're going to look at other entrepreneurs, and you're going to let their definition of success become your definition of success. And I think you have to really dive deeper than that in order to understand hey, what's, what do you really want. And I feel like, you know, it's a starting point for a lot of entrepreneurs because they're going to come to us when they're going to feel lost, right? They're not going to do that when things are going great and not, there's no problem. They're going to do that when, okay, I really need help because there's just too much to do. I don't know where I am. I'm not even sure it's what I want. And I need really to, you know, recalibrate. So that's really the first step. And we show you to do that in and efficient, no matter, obviously. Can you share some examples of those goals that you've set for yourself just to kind of bring it to life a little bit more for your own life and your own business? Yeah, it was like, like I said earlier, you know, it's like it could be financial goals. It could be time. Because here's the thing. I think when we go in business, we go for one thing. And that thing is freedom. And I divide freedom into three categories, you know, or three types of freedoms. Time freedom. Okay creative freedom and financial freedom. And I feel like always your goals will revolve around these three freedoms, depending on, you know, when, how, what season of your life you're in. You know, if it's early on in your career, more than likely you're going to have a little bit more financial goals, you know, regarding financial freedom. When you're going to start working and things are going good in your business, but you're going to realize that you have less time, um, you're going to be focusing more into having goals for reclaiming this time, for example. So this is when, the goal is probably going to be, you know, work, you know, or, or chop 10 hours of my work week or work less than 20 hours a week or have six weeks of vacation a, week, or a year or something like that, right? Things you want to see become a reality. I think the big thing that I see entrepreneurs do, especially when it comes, when they recalibrate or realign, is that they're going to set more creative goals, meaning like, I want this to become a reality. I want to write my new book i want to create an online course you know and it's being very specific on 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 that outcome you know like having you know create my yeah create my first online course and and from there when you know that that's in the at the agenda or that's an outcome that you want to have within the next 12 months now you can start setting your 90 day what we call buckets so your 90 day projects so say okay well if i need to create my first course probably i need to create that course you know i need to create the content of that course so you're going to have a bucket that is you know dedicated to creating the content of the course then you're going to realize that quick while well, i might need to actually produce that course right so it might be another bucket and um the other one is going to be you're going to need to sell market and sell that course so that's going to be another bucket but you're going to realize that among all of that amongst all that you're still going to have all you know other tasks to to perform in your business so it's that juggling act of understanding and, and Rob, we talked about load management, understanding like how much can you carry as far as workload and also how to divide it through the year in order to achieve that goal, right? So it's not about the problem. The main, the main problem that I see is that people set goals as just projects. So this is the project that I'm going to do. And instead of looking at it as an outcome and understanding what do I need to do for this outcome, for this result to happen? Right. So it's not about creating a massive, massive project and then, you know, 
start working on it, it's really understanding what's the result and what can I do right now with, you know, the time, the energy and the attention that I can dedicate to it this quarter within the next 90 days for this to, you know, to move in the right direction and understanding that sometimes it could be the main priority and you're going to be spending a lot more time and energy and attention on that product, on that project, uh, or something that, you know, gets you closer to this result to be achieved. Uh, or sometimes it could be, hey, I'm going to have one bucket that is dedicated to that is more in line with this result. Another one that is more in line with this result. It really depends on your context. I don't think the, you know, in the best case scenario, obviously you're going to put, you know, it's the A A A B B B sequence where, okay, well, let's focus on one and then go to the other one. But again, it depends on your business context and what needs to be done. So, you know, yes, there's optimum ways to do it, but there's other ways to do it too. The key really is understanding how much workload can I can I carry sustainably so this becomes a reality. So that's kind of my next question then, Dave. So let's say that I have those goals or those outcomes. I'm pretty clear, you know, I want to make, let's say six figures, you know, in the year, or I want to take the summer off to spend with my kids and and travel and not have to worry about work. Or, you know, maybe there there's some other goal like that. But then, and so I know that, I know that I want to accomplish that stuff. I want to do it. But when I sit down to work on Monday, like my inbox is full of stuff that I've got to pay attention to. And then I've got to, you know, I've got to record the podcast and I've got to get the podcast posted. And then, you know, after that, you know, there's uh, somebody needs help with some, you know, customer service stuff in our membership. And, you know, we have to get the training for the membership and, and like all of the other stuff just starts to happen. And, and I don't end up taking the summer off or I don't hit that six figure goal. So how do we translate from the big goals to actually getting some of this stuff done? Yeah. So th- then, you know, it, it now now we move to the next step, which is the prioritization phase. You know, it's understanding that out of all everything that you said, and for most entrepreneurs, all these tasks are on the same big pile, right? So picture you have a messy room and everything's in the middle and it's a big amount of stuff that you have. And that's usually how, like, un- how entrepreneurs deal with the things. They're going to take their, or they're going to prioritize based on what they think is the priority. Right. So and usually because since you're busy, there's a lot of things going on in your business. You're going to look where there's fire and you're going to try to extinguish that fire. And then next thing you know, there's another fire somewhere else and you're going to play firefighter all the time. And, and, and the problem is that if you prioritize that, that's why in the book we talk about not like you see the, 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 prior, the Eisenhower matrix, you know, being kind of glorified. And we're like, well, it, it could be a good tool. But if you want to be more proactive, if you want to have less fires, maybe it's better to look at your task from a different perspective. So the Eisenhower matrix, you know, gauges the, the, the task based on importance and urgency. The problem is that entrepreneurs don't have that native capacity to really that, like say, okay, well, this is urgent or this is, you know, important. Like what they're going to see is a fire that's urgent and important. I'm going to have to distinguish it right now. So what the what we use uh, the tool that we use is the impact matrix at Epic is that there's four types of tasks that you're gonna have to um, to work on as an entrepreneur and that's that that's universal we all have these four types of tasks to attend on the on the, mostly on a daily basis and it's really how you're gonna be prioritizing these four um, you know some of these tasks that you're gonna have in your schedule so number one that we have are the rock. So we talked about, and Rob, you're a big fan of, and you're a trained uh, Franklin Covey professional. And as we said, you know, before we started recording, um, 
the big rocks, small rocks, and sand analogy was just a game changer for me when I uh, when I saw Dr. Covey uh, perform this. And and Dr. Covey like really uses that for to, to show like re really what to prioritize the important things in life. And when I, I saw him do that, it's like, yes, this is definitely like the way to see prioritization. But also I saw the way like I was actually, you know, designing my workouts, designing and, and, and operating as, as an athlete. You know, it was like you don't just go to the gym and start doing random dumbbell curls and bench presses and thinking you're going to get that goal. You need to understand, OK, well. That's the goal. And here are the importance. So first of all, here's what I want to go. Now, here's what you know I want to accomplish short term. Here's a program that's going to get me there. And in this program, you have you know core exercises, and then you have different sets, and you have different reps, and you have different moves, different tempo, etc. Right. But you need to identify what are your main exercises, your foundational pieces. And go from there. You don't do the opposite. And it's like, this is perfect for me to illustrate how to actually, first of all, how to experiment with my workload. Because it's like going to the gym, for example, and you're going to go to the gym the first time and you're going to think you can lift, I don't know, 220 pounds on the bench press. And then you're going to realize that, well, that's actually really, really heavy. I thought in my head that I could do it, but there's no way I'm lifting that weight. So you're going to start taking a little bit more weight out of it until you have something that you can manage and you can have a nice set with. And, you know, you do that gradually over time. And, you know, after 90 days, your first program is completed and you're like, okay, well, now I can actually move up in weights. You know, I can add more weights to my, uh, to my, to my load. You know, I can, try, I can lift more because I can carry more load because now I've adapted to this workload, right? And you get better and better and better. And a year from now, you know, Rob is a beast benching 405 pounds on the bench press for reps, but started like with barely being able to do, you know, I don't know, 185. You don't know. So this is the thing that you have to adapt that workload over time. And we use the analogy of, you know, buckets, big rocks, small rocks, and sand in order to show you how to actually break down projects into bite-sized pieces. So understanding what are your milestones, you know, what needs to be accomplished, and then break it down breaking these milestones into actionable small rocks, bite-sized pieces, right? And the thing we do, and this is, you can tell me, there's a sand as well, but the sand, the problem is that entrepreneurs are great at playing in the sand, right? They are great at managing all small stuff or taking care of small stuff before the actual real stuff is, um, is accomplished. And we don't just like, the sand exists. You just don't need to be, to overplan the sand. It's kind of, you know, you have one small rock. Well, you're going to know what the sand is. You can prepare it the day before, let's say. But you don't have to, like, go with the micro, micro details way in advance. This is how you get lost. This is how, you know, perfectionism kicks in and nothing gets accomplished, right? So it's a matter of understanding, you know, your workloads from a work perspective, but also uh, from an energetic perspective where, you know, all not all tasks are created equal based on what you're great at and, and your natural tendencies and your natural capacities. So um, we help you do that or establish that by, you know, yes, looking at what tasks are more impactful and what tasks take the most energy. So obviously the rocks, which are creative rock, you know, which are always associated with innovation, with growth, they're going to take a lot more energy for you, you know, to perform. And that's, that's perfectly normal. So you're going to have to schedule them in a, 
you know, at a time that allows you to have that energy to, to really you know, push through that, that, that task. Um, in the, so in the impact matrix, the second most important task that we have, the second most impactful task is routines. So routines are tasks that are associated with um, the, the proper operational well-being of your company. So there's things that you guys probably do day in and day out that without even knowing, but that you need to do in order you know, for your business to run properly. It could be, for example, uh, it could be you know sharing on social media, interacting with your membership, you know, students, um, you know, sending emails, for example. So there's there's these type maybe email is not the right example, but this task that you need to perform on a whether it's a daily, weekly, or even you know, monthly or quarterly basis that we're going to encourage you to look to start you know putting into processes. So listing, okay, it, this needs to be done. Here's what I need to do. Social media is a good example. You need to post on social media. Well, guess what? This process, you have a process probably you're following every day, like an intention, not intention, intentionally, uh, that can be documented and then made into a procedure, you know, a series of procedures that you can then outsource, automate, or, or even delegate you know, to someone else, right? So when you look into the, the stats that are really associated with the growth of your company, with things that need to happen in order for your company to grow and evolve, this is what we call the power moves. And these are the ones that you should uh, prioritize. The other types of tasks that you have, you're going to have are, one, the reactive tasks. So these are tasks associated with just, they're kind of the byproducts of your business operations. So they will come, they're things you don't anticipate that you cannot really plan or or proactively over plan because they're gonna they're just reactive by nature and they will happen. You know, as much as you prepare, you know, as much as you know, proactivity you bring into your business, there will still be some reactivity. It's an inevitable, you know, thing. So there's a way to actually start looking at that and not having your day just filled with reactive tasks. You know, you need to optimize and you need to um, to limit the number of Personally, the number of tasks that you need to do, and then optimize the process, obviously. And the four types of four type of uh, four type of uh, tasks that you're going to have are responsive tasks, which are um, tasks associated with communication. And, and in this day and age, obviously, direct messaging, emails, uh, you know, team meetings, Zoom meetings. I mean, you, you name it. You're going to have that always in your in your day. So there's a way to actually you know, really optimize the way you operate your, uh, your responsive tasks and, 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 and attack them. And that's what we show you as well. So obviously it doesn't happen overnight. There's obviously constant, you know, work and optimization to be done. But, you know, the goal is for you to manage these four types of tasks in the most uh, optimum and, and right way. Okay, let's break in here and talk a little bit more about some of the things that Dave has been mentioning. I made a, a list of a few bullets, Kara. I'm sure you did the same thing. But uh, you know, a couple of the things that stood out to me as I listened to Dave talk is the idea of not managing our time, but because you know, we all have the same amount of time, we can't really manage time anyway. It's going to go past whether we do something with it or not. But really managing our energy and the projects that we work on and the approach that he's been talking about is really all about how to do that. And I love how he uses 
the process that he used as a bodybuilder and with exercise to manage energy, nutrition, all of that stuff, and applies it to projects as an entrepreneur just really makes sense to me. Yeah. And do you feel like it connects with you, Rob, because you're into sports and you are into fitness and you, you know, you've played sports. Do you think it resonates a little bit more because of your background? I don't know if it's because of a sports background, but I like the approach to energy management and thinking through not just what we tend to think of, you know, when, when we're talking about things like time management and planners and that kind of stuff, but it, it takes a step back and really starts to look at what you're trying to do with your life. And, and, you know, as he breaks out, you know, big rocks and all of that kind of stuff, for some reason, the approach just really appeals to me. And, you know, like, like we've mentioned, you know, between us and, and before when we've talked about this, this is a process that I think both of us really like and want to get our team using more. How about you? Yeah, well, I like the idea of energy management. And, you know, I know Dave mentioned that he has young children, I think two young children, um, similar to me. And so, especially because my energy has been so low as I'm entering or wrapping up my seventh month of uh, pregnancy here, I like looking at it from more of an energy perspective. I think it's easier to adjust a system like his rather than just feeling like every second of my day needs to be working and doing something productive. That's just not realistic. So I do like his approach thinking about the different buckets um, and then how there are big rocks and little rocks and how it all fits together. That visual really helps me as a visual person to see that visual of how it all fits together. And so maybe, um, you know, I know Dave did a training in the underground, which we are totally going to pitch right now because it was an incredible training. And so if you want the full training, you should jump into the underground to access it. Um, for me, it connected all the dots. Um, but Rob, can you just kind of talk through like the difference between the big rocks, the buckets, the little rocks, and, and how many we're supposed to have? Because I felt like that's where I struggled um, initially, just figuring out, well, how many buckets do we have? How many rocks do we have? What is that supposed to look like? Yeah. And this is something that Stephen Covey talked about, I think in his book, Seven Habits, that's kind of where this idea comes from. And, and the, the demonstration is, you know, you've got this, this bucket or this bottle and you've got to fit a whole bunch of stuff in it. And he starts out by, you know, pouring in, you know, water and then adding sand and then adding, you know, smaller rocks or whatever. And by the time you get all of that stuff in, there's no space for the big rocks. And the takeaway there is that you need to start with the big rocks if you want to get them into the bottle. And as you apply that to, you know, time management to our lives, we've got to fit in the big things first because it's really easy to fill up our lives with the small things. You know, it's really easy to, to wake up and start with social media or start checking your email. And pretty soon it's 10, 11 o'clock in the morning and you haven't actually started on the big stuff that you want to get accomplished. And, and so that's kind of the idea that the, the question though, is like, what are big rocks and, you know, how do you fit them in? How do you fit in enough? And we've, we've talked about this in other contexts as well. You know, the number of projects that you should be trying to tackle every quarter, every 90 days. And usually that number comes in around three. It really depends on the size of the project, but if you're trying to do more than three big things in a quarter, you're probably trying to do too much. You're probably spread too thin and you need to be able to break those three big things down into, you know, weekly things that you're going to accomplish daily things that you're going to accomplish so that you're moving yourself forward, uh, at, you know, towards it. And so, you know, the number that we've kind of come across that works for us is roughly three. 
I think if you start going to four or five, at least if I do, uh, that starts to be too much and I don't really get anything focused uh, or anything done that really needs to, to get done. You're talking about three buckets per quarter and the bucket is really like the project, right? A large finishing a big project. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And again, I think it depends on the project. So, you know, you might say one of mine is going to be to rewrite and and rework my uh, my homepage or my uh, web website. But if you're, you know, and that might be a really good bucket to accomplish over three months. But if you're thinking, well, I'm going to actually recreate my entire brand and I'm going to have brand photography and I'm going to be working with a designer uh, to come up with a lot of other stuff like that project may actually be bigger than a, a single quarter. You know, that may be needs to be broken down into two or three buckets that all add up to the rebrand, redevelopment of everything that you're doing. And so uh, I, I think it does take practice to figure out where, you know, how, how big is a particular project in order to, to say, hey, this is one of the big rocks that we're going to work on in our bottle this, uh, this quarter. But um, yeah, it, you can definitely break things down more in order to right size them to accomplish more in 90 days. Yeah. And even before we started recording today, Rob and I were talking about how we need to figure out and finalize what our three big buckets are for this quarter for the Copywriter Club. Because when we made a list, we came up with about seven different projects that all feel critical and all feel urgent. So I think the challenge is definitely prioritizing and and narrowing it down to the three most important ones. And so Maybe you can talk through that, um, through the Eisenhower matrix that Dave shared and like how we could use that matrix to actually choose what three buckets we should focus on. Yeah, I think this is another thing that Dave gets from Covey and uh, Covey actually got it from Eisenhower, but it's that the four boxes, the four quadrants and and Covey and Eisenhower both talked about, you know, one of the one of the axes is important and one of the axes is, is urgent. And the problem is when you have a business that you own yourself, when you're CEO of your own copywriting business, is that almost everything that comes across your plate is going to be both urgent and important. It has to get done soon and it's really important to your business. And, you know, as Dave pointed out, that's not really a, a very helpful framework if everything that comes across your business still just ends up in the same bucket and you got to keep doing it. And so when he switches it to talking about impact on one axis versus effort on another, and you can start to judge and say, uh, you know, this is a really high impact project that's going to take not as much time. It's really easy to, to say, okay, let's do that because the impact is big and the time commitment is small. Uh, it, you know, when you have something where the impact is big and the time commitment is big, that's, you know, that, that starts to be a really big rock, right? You've got to figure out how do you get that stuff done? How do you find the time to do it? But the impact is big, so it's still worth doing. On the flip side, if it's the other way around, the impact isn't big, but it's going to take a lot of your time. Those kinds of things you need to build routines into your day. You need to be able to delegate that to, you know, somebody on your team, or if you don't have a team, like I said, you've got to automate things in order to get that stuff off because you don't want to spend your time on these tasks that don't have a big impact in your business. And then of course, you know, tasks that don't have a big impact, um, but are easy to do. Uh, you know, there are processes that you can set up to, to do that as well. Might be worth a little bit of your time, but you really want to focus on those things that have a big impact. And, and again, when I, when I read Dave's book or when I hear Dave talking about this sort of stuff, it really resonates with me because I want to make sure that I'm focusing my energy and my effort on things that have a really big impact in my business. Uh, and, 
I, I'm very conscious of finding myself working on things that aren't very important. And so um, hopefully that's a, a construct that works for other people as they're, uh, as they're thinking through how they manage their time. Yeah, so this is something that we're integrating in with our team at the Copywriter Club and working on it. And like I said, if you, if this concept, you know, if you feel a connection to the concept or you struggle with productivity and focus, it might be worth jumping into the underground membership to access Dave's full training that he created for us. Um, it definitely, it was a really great training that we sat through. So. Let's go back to our interview with Dave to find out how he translates the vision and the list of big rocks into an actionable plan. So for a lot of copywriters we work with, it seems like they can work on, they can see that they have a vision, they can set the goals, they understand the concept of like the big rocks versus the sand. But I think a lot of us have a hard time figuring out the program and the how behind it laying that out, whether it's for a workout at the gym or it's for business, it's almost hard to just like break that down. What would you advise? What could help us figure out the path? I mean, it's, we could work with the teams and coaches that you work with, um, but what if we're figuring it out on our own and we can't see how to get from point A to point B? So, you know, it's like anything else. You have to do it in order to get better at it, right? So, Obviously, if you use the, the big rocks and the small rocks analogy to start creating frameworks for you, and, and depending on what type of copywriter you are, you know, you could be a sales copy, a sales page copywriter, or an email copywriter, or you do a little bit of everything. There's always these frameworks that you're going to have. There's always this order to things that you're going to be doing, right? So it's understanding, for example, when you work for a client, is that, okay, well, I have this part my bucket where i that i really need to carry for myself so maybe it's a lot of outlining work a lot of you know putting bullets in and then this maybe processes that you have so routines that you're going to have in order to maybe speed up the process or or, or work on with multiple clients so obviously if you're a solopreneur and you do everything yourself well you know there's only so much that you can do versus if you're like okay i have these this project I need to know, like, I, the goal is to write a sales page, for example. Well, what is your main process to write a sales page? You know, and it could be a routine or it could be something that is more, you know, this creative elements that are going to need to be filled into buckets. And the second one, which is going to be more of like a routine practice where, you know, writing 500 words every morning, or it could be, uh, you know, having a specific process to kind of fill in the blanks where you send. Uh, some part of the copy to someone else in order to, you know, to write different chapters or whatever. So again, I'm not a copywriter, so I wouldn't know exactly all the, all the steps, but it's understanding okay, what the nature of the task. So is it something that needs for me to create, but I need to create, or is it something that is more operational, that is more routine, if you want, within my creative process and maybe some of, or parts of these routine uh, tasks can be outsourced, delegated, outsourced, or, or even automated sometimes now with AI. I know it's a big trend now in copywriting to have, you know, AI-assisted assistance. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, 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 it's for you to actually, you need to start doing it and then understanding, you know, how you operate. And there's no right or wrong. Some people operate at a heavy capacity to create. Some people are going to be more mechanical and have more process 
more, more processes in their lives. So it really depends. So Dave, I, I heard you twice say, you know, you need to do it. Um, and, and for me, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. You know, I, I can have the planner, I can have the goals, I can even have the task list, but there's still something around personal discipline. That's like, you still have to, you know, show up, not open up social media or, you know, not get lost in, you know, in reading too much or, or whatever the things are that can distract us. Talk a little bit about personal discipline and how you learned to be more disciplined in your approach to the things that you do in your business. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing with discipline or, or creating, you know, habits or written you know, habits in your life. It, it, it's, it comes down to the small things and then things compound over time. I think we, we want, if you're focused on just hacks and, and things that are going to give you fast results, you know, this is probably a good approach for you or even what we do because discipline is built over time and through repeated actions, you know, over a long period of time. And there's a concept, you know, we talk about about sustainability in the book. And you, you don't want to just do things, you know, once and like, and, and, and then, then it's all fixed, you know. It's to have sustainability, there are different things that you're going to need to do consistently over time. So it's understanding that these rituals, these little routines, these little habits that you're going to be putting into place will build that discipline and you know it goes it's as simple for example as drinking water in the morning that's the most simple habit that you can have that will boost your your productivity and mental uh, mental capacity you know most of us are always dehydrated especially for a copywriter where your brain and your creativity is you know there you go there you go guys but you know it you know you know that hydration is Ultra important for the proper functioning of, of what's in between your two ears, you know. The problem is that it's a good thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. And, you know, just, I say, like, go drink, like, big, tall glass of water in the morning. That's how I did it. You know, when I, water, drinking the water for me was not native, you know. It was not something that, oh, I'm going to drink, you know, a gallon of water a day. But when you're bodybuilding, you have to do that. You have to hydrate properly. It's part of the plan. So, you know. Drinking a big glass of water in the morning and filling up a jug, you know, of, you know, let's say two liters of water in the morning that me and I was carrying, you know, I'm still I'm like carrying that, that bottle of water, you know, when I go up and stuff like that, because that's going to ensure that I drink my water daily. That's going to ensure that it's done, but it didn't, I didn't do it once and it was fixed. It was making sure that I was crossing check, you know, water check done. All right. And then you do that. Now I don't even have to check it. It's, it's building to my, my habits and my routines. But it's the same thing with everything that you're doing, you know, whether it's your exercise, uh, your meditation, if you're into it, um, you know, your gratitude, um, you know, your, your healthy, healthy eating habits. There's so many, so many things that you can build. We have actually in the planner, we have like a self, daily self care um, routine that we, uh, that we lay out. It's more of a self care, I would say, checklist that you don't even need to do it like a back-to-back-to-back routine. You know, it could be something you do daily and it compounds over time. So, you know, hydration, making sure, hey, you don't check your, you know, clean eating checkbox every day for three days in a row. You're like, okay, well, you know, hopefully your entrepreneurial competitive spirit is going to kick in. So, like, I need to, you know, get better with that, you know. And understanding that too, like understanding how you react to it. 
So every week, for example, we have a review process where we ask you to, um, to um, understand what went well in your week and what didn't go that well. And we ask you, we have something called the self-awareness scorecard and something very, very simple to do, but it's going to allow you to introspect and say, okay, well, my energy level was two out of five this week. Why did that happen? Then you're going to look back and say, well, my eating was not that great four days out of the, the past seven days. And I know I didn't drink enough water two days that week. Well, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix that, you know? Like, what can I do right now? What's in my power that I can just improve next week? So you're going to look at these things. And, you know, over time, these habits, these rituals are going to become second nature. And this is how you build discipline over time, right? And next thing you know, like, it's not even hard. It's super easy to do. So it's the principle of adaptation, you know, of it goes, it's the same thing as, for example, increasing your, your ability to carry weight or to carry, uh, to carry some load. It's, it's, it's the same thing with habits. And uh, yeah, you just have to do it over time and it compounds. It's like saving money. Well, I did not pass my clean eating test today because <laughs> I, ate French, I ate French fries. It happened, so... It, it, you know what? It's another thing, though, Kara, uh, and, and it ha- as you said, it happens. You're not going to be perfect 100% of the time, <laughs> just to be aware of it. And, you know, in the, method, in the book, I talk that, you know, it's more than often it takes at least two cycles, so two uh, quarterly cycles in order to start actually having the awareness of where do you stand regarding load management, where do you stand, you know, regarding your habits, et cetera. And, and, and understanding and starting embodying all that, it does not happen overnight. And guess what? Nobody's perfect. You're going to screw up, and especially at the beginning, and that's fine. You know, that's another part of it is that you don't want to be, you know, if you keep the, uh, all the fun out of your life and everything is regimented <laughs> and, so, and, and so rigid, you know, that's why a lot of, that's why people actually don't adhere to a lot of productivity methodologies. The things are, you know, very, very, very strict. You know, one of my friends always says that most productivity methodologies are, are created by single male in their 40s. You know, it's like, it's so, so regimented that, you know, it's, it doesn't allow for any flexibility. So, you know, we, we make sure we build that into what we do. French fries for everyone. I enjoyed those fries, so I don't regret it. That's something you should put on a t-shirt, uh, Rob. <laughs> I, I buy French fries for you. Okay, so my question, because you shared the habit of drinking water and I'm just curious what some, some of your other habits are, your personal habits, um, maybe your morning routine too, because I know this is in the weeds, but we, we're pretty nosy and we like to know <laughs> what you do. So yeah, my, my morning routines change all the time. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a dad of, of two, two young girls, so two, two years old and seven years old. And the thing is that it changes because, yeah, they wake up at different times. Now it's more stable, obviously. Seven years later, it's getting a little more stable. But, you know, um, my, I, I traded really, like, very strict routines. And I was more of a routine person, like, you know, when I was in bodybuilding and I had no kids and it was just me and my, 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 my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And you know, it was a lot easier to, you know, obviously have that flexibility or that back-to-back sequence. But now there's things that are, that I look, you know, that I need to do through the day, like that I need to do, like at the end of the day needs to be done. So there's five elements and I, I covered a little bit about it, but again, I can tell you what they are. So first of all, you're co- you need to cover hydration. 
So one thing I do every single morning when I wake up is hydration. Dehydrate, tall glass of water, then fill up my big jug of water. That's the one thing that I do all the time. You know, from there, I like to, you know, as much as possible, wake up before the kids. So I have that little window of time where the house is actually quiet and I can, you know, have some introspection and me time. So there's two things that I do. So first of all is gratitude. And gratitude sounds, when you haven't practiced gratitude, and I was like that before, uh, you know, it's a law, yeah, whatever, gratitude, you know. But truth is, gratitude is the greatest um, remedy or the greatest medicine for anxiety. And the thing is that I, when I, I that's at one point uh, when I was running my second and my third business simultaneously, I started developing anxiety. Because I was so, so busy and I knew, for example, I, I, here's a weird, weird thing. I started developing anxiety when the Skype, I was, I was hearing the Skype message. Because obviously I was, had, I, I was facing a workload that I had never faced before. And that was a whole period of that adaptation. And I knew at the time, nor my business partner or, not, or I had this, the systems in place in order to, you know, face that. So we were kind of building that as as well, the business was growing, but I remember that every single time we had a meeting, for example, and we had just way too many meetings. That that's why we actually built frameworks to you know have better, more efficient meetings. But I was getting you know sweaty palms. My heart was racing because I was future pacing that there will be fires, there will be more things added to my plate. And the weird thing is that the trigger was. <laughs> Was the, the Skype ring tone, you know, the, the din, din, din. I was like, and it was, it was absurd. I was like, so I, I, I'm, I'm blessed that I have my wife, Corinne, is, is a psychotherapist. So I started talking to her about that. She's like, listen, gratitude. And gratitude is, is one of like the core things that she does out of her practice. And she actually has uh, a gratitude uh, journal that she sells in the French uh, speaking market that, that's bestseller. And she's like, you know what? You have to list the things that you're grateful for. You know, list the things that you have that are right there, that you have right now that you are grateful for. And I started doing that. And the re- it was not immediate, but it was very fast that I started like changing or rewiring the way I was seeing things. Like, why are you stressed about that? You're stressed about future events that that never even happened, right? So it teaches you to focus on the present teaches you to focus on what you have right now and sometimes because when we're busy or we're anxious we're going to tend to see things a little bit more negatively and by focusing on the things that you have you know hey i have my two hands stupid example easy example but guess what still a miracle two hands ten finger i mean think about it and but we take that for granted Another weird example, and I tie it into the water, is that I can just turn a knob and there's clean drinking water coming out of a faucet. I can, like, we take that for granted. Think about how magical that is and how many people in the world don't have that. And it's not about what they have, we don't have, but it's like, still, in my opinion, it's like finding magic into random things that you take for granted. And when you do that over time, same thing, it compounds and you tend to have a different perspective on life, you know, and, and for me, like that really cured my anxiety and that, that really helped me, you know, in the long run. So 
I ensure that every day I do that. Uh, in the planner, we actually have what we call the reconnection phrase. And, uh, you know, you can do, you know, there's different tools. There's five-minute journal that you can list, you know, different gratitudes, things like that. You can do it in your own journal if you want. Um, but I'm more of an efficient guy. And what I do now is just that reconnection phrase. Today, I'm grateful for fill in the blanks. And I keep in mind that. And I added the second part too, is that I'm a big believer in the frequency of alignment, right? Checking checkpoints of your alignment, making sure you're still, you know, in the right direction where you want to be. And reminding yourself on the things that are important, whether it's like outcomes, but also values. You know, when you stay true to your values and align with, you know, what you want to accomplish, you can rarely go wrong. So it's the habit of doing that daily, the little practice that will make you, you know, more, more disciplined uh, over time. So that's the second thing. Um, there's daily exercises. So obviously you don't have to go to the gym and do bench press and deadlift. PRs every every day, you know, the keys like just to sweat every day. It's like, you know, dedicate 15 minutes to, even if you don't feel you have time or you feel you don't have to go, let's say, go to the gym or whatever, like just sweat every day, right? You So you would have talked to me 10 years ago would have been like probably, yeah, you have to go, like I would go to the gym five times a week. Well, guess what now? 10 years later, I'm a dad, I have different interests. Now it's like I have you know, practice different sports. I'm going to go take walks. I'm going to go be. I'm going to go be active and do something. Just a motto: sweat every day for me. Like that works, right? So it's it's doing that. And once you do it, boom, check. You know the box is checked, but it doesn't need to be part of the morning. You know routine per se, as long as it's done that day. So that's the third one. Fourth one is um, meditation. And meditate. What I mean by meditation is really some you time. You know with your own thoughts, with your environment, you know, take anywhere from five to 15 minutes to do that. Focus on your breathing, like little things that first of all will compound with for stress management. Um, and also reconnect with, you know, slow down the pace sometimes when you, you know, that you need it. So I, I do that. I try to do it in the morning when I can, if I don't have time, let's say, or the kids wake up early or whatever is I'm going to keep a moment during the day to do that. I'm going to sit down. It's either outside when it's nice. I have a nice leather couch here in my office where I just sit down and and do that. So focus on my breathing and, and just let things come and bounce off. You know, it's it's like I'm not a 15-minute meditation yogi who's going to, you know, go in deep trance every day. You know, that's not what, what it's all about. It's just like reconnecting with yourself. And the last one is uh, the no French fries policy. Uh, <laughs> it's not true it's not true because i you know i love french fries but it's just like keeping a clean diet you know it's just like basics keep it 90 percent clean and you're going to be fine you know that that's kind of basic rule so yeah but you know there's some days where we're gonna order a poutine from the dairy bar yeah clean eating's over once you have poutine on your plate that's for sure so um <laughs> Dave, I, before we run out of time, I, I want to talk a, a minute about your book and, and maybe your planner. Um, you know, when, I, when I'm thinking about, okay, you know, books about time management and productivity and goal setting, there are a ton of them already out there. You know, uh, we talked about, you know, Stephen Covey's books. Uh, Hiram Smith wrote several uh, about them. Uh, you know, the, the goal setting books by James Clear and BJ Fogg. Like, there's so many. So, and Dan Kennedy has a great one on time management as well. So what made you sit down and think, 
hey, what the world needs is another book about how to get stuff done. And what what's a little bit different about your approach? Yeah. And, you know, it's not just about getting stuff done. You know, really what I wanted to 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 bring out, let's say, is more of a, a guidebook to how to evolve as an entrepreneur. And it's very specific for entrepreneurs and, and you know, obviously solopreneurs, et cetera. Or even now we see like a lot of actually people in corporate applying it to their employees because I'm a big, and I talk, you know, a lot about it. Is I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship, meaning like giving more power and more freedom to, you know, your employees so they can create their best work, right? So it's not by looking at every single move that they're doing or micromanaging that, them that it's going to happen. So it's actually, it, they, they do use it quite a bit more. We had like trainings with Chopper's Drug Mart, for example, here in Canada and, and other companies. But, um, but the key is to understand how to operate, like an operating manual to how to operate personally as an entrepreneur, right? And we make a lot of the parallels and so we explain it very well in the book early on that everything that we've built or that is included within this uh, this book is inspired by sports performance. So timeless sports performance um, uh, techniques that we've applied to entrepreneurship. And based on that, you know, we apply this, so we said, like concept of world management, periodization, rest and recovery, and make it all integrated into something coherent. Uh, the other thing that I saw is that it's, there was a lot of methodologies that are a collection of hacks, collection of tricks. So they're going to have this, they're going to have that, but there's no actual, you know, system that, that involves that. I became a really good fan. I became a really big fan of, of EOS. So traction, uh, Gino Whitman, when that, when we implemented that at Bioptimizers, that's more, you know, that, that looks a lot of what we're doing, but from a, on a business level, like on a bigger operational level for the business itself. And um, I really love it because, first of all, there was a lot of parallels between, you know, with what I was doing and implemented and, uh, and that methodology. But it's, it's really a holistic, you know, methodology that doesn't look into one piece of the business. It's really like you have, yes, you, have, you need to attend, your, you know, look at your values, understand where you're going, you know, break down your projects, but also like your health, you know, team health is important. So, and they have that. And for me, like the health side of it, you know, having a holistic uh, approach, more of a, you know, and I talk about work-life harmony in the book where the problem with, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about work-life balance and I, I really hate that, that, that word, you know, work-life balance really implies that you have two competing forces against mm -hmm. each other. And when you're an entrepreneur, like it, like it doesn't happen like that. Like it needs to be integrated. There needs to be some, synergy between both you know there needs to be some harmony and you know i illustrate that with the yin and the yang right and it's also like and also like a dance right sometimes one partner is going to lead the other time the other partner is going to lead but you might not even see it because you know you know the result is 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 beautifully executed and you don't see you know any any problems so um this is more the way we, we looked at it um and obviously so done by noon, like it's it's funny because I got to talk about the title, but a lot of people think it's about you know just working less. And when they're in the book, you understand it's not about working less. It's not about or working not working hard. It's about working right and understanding the key question that we ask when regarding time management is if you had before 
you only had before noon in order to do everything that you know you have to do how would you structure your days right that's considering you're not waking up at three in the morning obviously but how would you start so there are things you would need to optimize there are things that you would need to you know obviously let go of and 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 build better systems overall in order to make it happen right it's more about that you know when you're talking about the four-hour work week for example it's not about working four hours a week it's really typical about leverage well, it's the same thing for us, but we look really into personal self-leadership uh, aspect. So, yeah, it's going to help you become a better leader, work on yourself, but also, you know, as a result, you're going to become a better business leader as well. And that's what we, what we really wanted with, you know, the book, not just, you know, be done by noon and do nothing. That's not, that's not what it's all about. That's, that sounds good too. Um, Dave, my last question for anyone listening that may not have been involved in sports growing up or just may not be as athletic uh, or may just not believe that a system like this could work for them or a framework could work for them because they've tried so many. What, <laughs> what would you say to them? You know, the, the doubters who are like, oh, I, everything has failed me. Why, why is this different? Why could this work for them, especially if they're not necessarily a sports person? Like the sports analogy, obviously, uh, is is what we use to, to illustrate what it takes really in order to evolve or, or becoming an athlete. That doesn't mean that, for example, I, I was never a pro bodybuilder. I loved the sport. I was competitive bodybuilder. I did pretty well, you know, when I was I was competing. But I would never was a pro. And I think the key as well, and that's one thing we talk a lot about in the book, is that it's to develop that self awareness. You know, develop that self-respect and that self-discipline that everyone needs in order to become a good entrepreneur. And it doesn't matter whether you want to build a $100 million company or you want to build a $100,000 a year company. Uh, it does not matter. It's understanding, you know, first of all, how you operate. So we, and we're all different. The thing is that, as I said, I think one of the main reasons why people don't stick to, quote-unquote, productivity uh, approaches is that or, or techniques is that it's so rigid that when something they drop something the whole thing fails and for us it's more of a manual to re build more self-leadership and we divide self-leadership into self-discipline as i said self-awareness and self-respect so self-awareness so self-discipline we talked about it self-awareness is really the fact of you know understanding yourself and how you operate and we're all different you know, yes, entrepreneurs have commonalities. A lot of them, you know, operate in, I would say, similar fashion, but we all have our own specific context. You know, I'm a dad with two girls. Some other people, I mean, my co-host Chris Lopez has five, you know, so I guess his lifestyle needs to be a lot more structured in mind, you know. Um, so the self-awareness of who you are, how you operate in your own context and also self-respect is respecting your capacities, respecting your limits, respecting your ambitions, and staying true to what you truly want. So, you know, I think not everybody wants the same, want the same thing. And it's very, very important to understand that when you start. Because based on that, your reality will be different. Your reality, the way you operate, the type of business you operate, the type of lifestyle you're going to have, is going to be different. And I don't have the answers. You guys don't have the answers. Only the one who actually wants to, you know, uh, 
work within this framework will know what the result will look like. So the key is working right. And in my opinion, this is probably a message that we don't hear enough in the entrepreneurial world, which is always about doing more, getting more done, and you know, the glorify, glorifying the hustle, things like that. And you know, it's not about checking things off your to-do list as fast as possible. This is not what it's all about. This is not productivity. Activity is not productivity. For us, we have an efficient, you know, uh, philosophy uh, to it, an efficient approach, and um, and yeah, you know, I think that that's my view on it. That's the way I see business, and you know, so far it's worked great for for for, for many entrepreneurs. Dave, we want to thank you for joining us uh, for the podcast. I, I mentioned before we started recording that we've we're sharing your book with everybody on our team uh, because it gives us you know the language and and the processes to sort of talk about projects together, you know, a common language. And so it's, uh, it's something, it's one of the best productivity slash time management slash getting things done type books I've ever read. Uh, and, and that's part of why we wanted to bring you on. And so we'll definitely link to the book and to the planner on the show notes, uh, for anybody that, uh, wants to, wants to check those out. And, you're also coming back for a training uh, for our membership, the Underground, and and some of our other programs on April 21st that we're really looking forward to. And so, uh, you know, anybody who wants to catch that can uh, can get to know you a little bit better there as well. So, thank you so much for just sharing what you know and what you've what you've accomplished with our audience. Thank you, Rob. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I can wait for uh, for the training in April. And uh, yeah, and and thank you for the nice words because you know coming from. You know, you coming from the COVID uh, world and, you know, God knows how much I respect and, and love Dr. Covey's work it means a lot. So thank you very much. That's it for our interview with Dave Ruel. But before we go, let's recap a couple more things that we talked about with Dave. So, Rob, what stood out the most for you? So again, yeah, this is a topic that probably I, I talk about a lot just because it's something I don't feel like I'm very good at and I want to get better at it. But, you know, I purposely asked Dave about his discipline and developing it. And I thought what he said about, you know, the fact that it's a habit that you have to measure it, you get better at it over time, you have to try again and again as you develop that. Uh, is something, again, that resonates really deeply with me because I feel like in so many ways, especially when it comes to time and getting things done, that I don't have the discipline that I should have. And uh, that's something that I'm trying to develop uh, more and more. So that that is one thing that stands out in a really big way. I guess the second part of that is, you know, habits worth developing. What he had to say about gratitude is another thing that I believe in very firmly. I think being grateful for the things that we have, uh, oftentimes, you know, we talk about these things as privilege and it is, you know, oftentimes we ha we do have advantages. We have things in our lives that other people don't have and expressing gratitude, being willing to share those things, I think is really important uh, part of owning a, a successful business. How about you? I feel like you are actually very disciplined. So if you are not disciplined, then I am, I mean, I'm a hot mess then because you're way more disciplined. a lot disciplined. of room to improve. <laughs> I feel like you are so disciplined. So to hear you say that you feel like you need to grow in that area. I mean, I know there's always room for growth, but I'm like, Ooh, if you're not, then I'm definitely not disciplined. Um, which I think is fair. I think you're more disciplined than I am. I do like that. Uh, what the way Dave talks about discipline and habits, 
he talks about it throughout the day and not feeling that pressure of creating just like that strict morning routine. And again, it goes back to like he mentioned, he has some young kids. So his morning routine is all over the place. He never knows, you know, it's unpredictable with young children. Um, but I feel like so often we do hear, and, and you and I talk about it on the podcast, you know, what is your morning routine? And, and I love morning routines, but also sometimes it's not realistic given our circumstances. And so he really does have a lot of flexibility in the way that he develops his habits. And so it's spread out through the day. It's not like you have to do everything. Uh, by 9 a.m. when you started. So I really appreciate that flexibility. But yeah, I think, you know, for me, I, I definitely, I mean, I told you I eat fried onions before this call. And I know when we interviewed him, I was eating French fries. So I feel like I have a long way to go with yeah, this whole discipline thing. You also happen to be, you know, baking a child at the moment. So <laughs> eating a French fries isn't exactly non-disciplinary. So the baby likes the baby likes fried food right now. So um but I I like the idea of going back to some some habits that do work. Like I know what tools do work for me. It's similar to him. It's like drinking a lot of water. It's walking every morning. It's, you know, having a salad for lunch. I do have those tools that I can go back to even after a day where I'm like, I just want to eat fried food all day. It's, I can always go back to those habits. So I think as long as we figure out what those are for us, and I know he shared a lot of them with us in this interview. Yeah. And, you know, going back to, you know, I kind of said this before, but the fact that somebody falls off the wagon and has some French fries or whatever, that does not necessarily undo the process of building habits of discipline. It just means that that's, you know, a, a step off and we step right back on and that it's the stepping back on that creates the habits over a long period of time. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's, I guess, the thing that I'm, I'm working on myself. I feel like he was also okay with me eating my French fries. Like, I think he, I feel like he approved of it, which made me feel more confident in <laughs> that habit. I feel like there was no judgment from him, which I appreciated. Yeah. We also talked about Dave's book just a little bit. And he, you know, I, I was kind of messing with him when I said, you know, why in the world do we need another book about time management? Because there are a lot of really good ones out there. But I do have to say, having read Dave's book, I really like it. It's it's simple. I like the way that he has outlined, you know, the process that he follows. I like the way that he's married it with energy management and the things that he did in his bodybuilding business and and career as a competitive bodybuilder. There's another book actually out there called The Power of Full Engagement um, by Lauren Schwartz, uh, two co-authors. That's sort of similar. It talks about those same kinds of things, and they're, they're two really good books that maybe go together very well. But if you're interested in you know, getting a copy of Dave's book, I don't believe it's available on Amazon. They sell it through Dave's site and you can get there if you go to the copywriterclub.com forward slash done by noon and done by noon is all one word. So if uh, you know, talking about Dave's book has piqued an interest in you, you can find it there. I feel like we should wrap this up by saying or sharing something, one thing that we're each grateful for, um, because that is such a big concept that you shared from Dave's book. So, Rob, what are you grateful for? Well, that is that. That's a heavy question. Uh, you know, I I actually love Dave's example. You know, like being grateful for running water. I mean, there are so many little things that we sort of take for granted in our lives that just make our lives so much easier. So, there's that long, long list of 
of, you know, just simple things, you know, furnaces that work or, or in the summertime, air conditioning, you know, those kinds of things or, or our physical health. So all of those kinds of things sort of jump to mind uh, immediately. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a clever way to answer this question. And, and What are you grateful for today that maybe this just yeah, stands out today? That's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, my, my running shoes, I guess. I was out for a run this morning early uh, in the rain, actually, and uh, it was a really good way to start the day. It just kind of got me energized. And, and you know, sometimes I don't run, but this, this morning, for some reason, I actually was running. So uh, I'm grateful for my running shoes. How about you? I like it. Um, I am grateful for my vaccine. I had my first vaccine booster yesterday. And so I I got more emotional than I expected when I was sitting there just because, yeah, I mean, I, I get what's happening around the world and the COVID rates are surging in so many different cities and countries. And so just to sit there and finally get it, um, just, yeah, that was a lot of gratitude in that moment for the vaccine. Lots of reasons to be thankful for good health if, if you have it, for sure. We should, you and I should just share gratitude every time we talk to each other. That would be a good habit. Not a bad idea. Yeah, that's a <laughs> every good time habit. we talk, we have to say what we're grateful for before we get off the call. Very good. Um, yes. So I'm grateful also for Dave Ruel for joining us to talk about his system for getting things done. And like I mentioned before, if you want a copy of Dave's book, Done by Noon, or if you want to try out his planner that's based on the system that we touched on here that we went really deep on in the training in the Copywriter Underground, visit thecopywriterclub.com forward slash done by noon. And done by noon is all one word. It's thecopywriterclub.com forward slash done by noon. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. Our intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muttner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave a review of the show. And don't forget to visit copywriterthinktank.com to find out more about our business-changing mastermind. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club yeah, can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money as long as you listen through the